this is house house church today uh we've got bowling going on we've got video games going on we've got our kids displaced they're not in the bowling suites they're actually out here so it's all good right you know the greatest thing about it this place is free uh and they they actually love us being here so uh you can see they're constantly rebuilding and redoing and things like that so uh pinheads has been very good to us it's like family here so uh we'll just put up with it today next week we won't even be here i just told them they've made us so mad that we're not even gonna be here next week but um now actually we're going to be at uh, Holiday World. We got uh, most of you going with us to Holiday World for the weekend, so we won't actually meet here. We can do that here. We cannot meet on a Sunday because we're not re- we're not dependent upon passing the offering plate. So uh, we can cancel whenever we want, you know, it's, and just do what we want. That's, uh, that's kind of a big deal. So uh, I'm just thankful for you as a family. Um, we're going through the book of Acts. I left you hanging last week in the middle of uh, Peter having a trance. He's up on Simon the Tanner's, which is a Gentile house, the top of the house because the Spirit led him there. He's having this trance about a, a sheet, maybe the canopy above him as shade, but it came down and there were all sorts of animals in it animals that he was used to eating and animals that he was not used to eating because of the food restrictions that the Jews adhered to that came from God. And now God has literally said to Peter, you know, I made all these animals clean for you. And Peter's like, there's no way I'm going to do that. All my life I've adhered to the food restrictions. I've done great at obeying your law. And I just can't eat those animals. And two more times, God said, I've made all things clean. And then as we get into this next part, one of the key things it says is that he begins to contemplate, he begins to process, he begins to think about this vision, this trance that has been placed upon him by the Spirit. And I believe that Peter comes to a point where he's like, the Jews are clean. Now God's saying the Gentiles are clean as well. So that they are supposed to be the same. But I, I truly believe there's been a revelation to him that says, that's an assumption that the Jews were always clean. And the Gentiles were dirty because that's the way they were raised. That's how what they thought. They thought the Gentiles were just heathens and didn't know God, didn't have God and didn't want anything to do with them. They were mixed breeds. They they were worthless. But now God's saying, but I think he's realizing that, hey, God made the Jews clean, too that maybe they were once unclean and he's made both of them clean together. Let's see what the Scripture says here. 
you know, if that's the case, if that's what he, if that's what really he believes and that's what he's thinking, that whole question of whether Gentiles should become Jews before they become believers in Jesus has just been answered for them. Like, they don't have to go through Judaism to receive Jesus. It says in verse 17 of Acts chapter 10, while Peter was deeply perplexed, he's contemplating, he's thinking, he's processing about what the vision had seen, what he had seen might mean, right away the men who had been sent by Cornelius, having asked directions to Simon's house, stood at the gate. So let me back up. Cornelius was this Roman centurion that was up in, uh, he was up in, Ce- in Caesarea, which was about 25 to 35 miles north of Joppa, which is where Peter was. Remember, I showed on a map last week that Joppa, also known as Joppa, is an area inside Tel Aviv today. So 30 to 35 miles up north, 25 to 30 miles up north, is this city of Caesarea where this centurion soldier is named Cornelius. And an angel appears to Cornelius and says, hey, send men down there and get Peter to come up to you. And now this is exactly what's happened. Peter's, he's awake from his trance and these men show up at the door at the exact time that he's finished with this trance. Coincidence? Absolutely not. God's timing. I wish, I wish I could explain God's timing on everything. I think the the longer it goes and you can look back, you can see God's timing better than you can in the present. It's the sovereignty of God that I cannot answer. I don't necessarily understand everything that God has done, is doing, and will do. That's His sovereignty. Verse 18, it says, They called out asking if Simon, who was also named Peter, was lodging there. The other Simon. You had two Simons. Simon Peter was staying at Simon the Tanner's house. And they were clearly saying, we're looking for Simon Peter besides the one that owns this house. It's verse 19, it says, while Peter was thinking about the vision, he's still processing. He's still processing, but at the same time, the Spirit is saying to him, there's three guys downstairs that are here to see you. A lot is going on right here. It says, the Spirit told him, three men are here looking for you. Now think about this for a second. In this whole story right here, an angel appeared appeared to Cornelius, right? And then also, God clarified to Peter, he clarified to Peter about all the animals are clean with a voice from heaven. So an angel, a voice from heaven, and now it says the Spirit is telling Peter that there's three... If you don't see God working in this situation... I mean, he's shown up three different ways just in these few passages right here. God is absolutely making himself known. In verse 20, it says, Get up, go downstairs, and go with them, no doubts at all, because I have sent them. (laughs) That's a great verse. God has just given Peter orders. 
It takes it takes it takes ears to hear when God speaks, right? Is it easy to hear God speak? Anybody hear God speak? Hello? Anybody? E- God is probably speaking to you right now. Not me. I'm saying God's probably speaking to you at some point this morning. The question is, is do you have ears to hear? It's not always easy to hear when God speaks to you because just as Danny said, there's another voice that's coming too that's sending you lies, sending you guilt, and you've got to be able to figure those two out. So hearing God's voice is not always easy. The only way that you're ever going to figure out that it's God is to know Him, is to know His voice. I know my wife's voice. I know Big John's voice. I know a lot of your voices in here. It's because I know the people, and it's the same way you're going to know God's voice is by knowing Him. Now, it's hard to hear God, but I think it's even harder to obey God. I mean, I hear Him a lot. I hear Him a lot, but then sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to do my own thing. So I think it's even harder to obey, but he's sitting there telling Peter, get up and go downstairs. What does Peter do? He gets up, he hears God, and then he literally obeys God. But here's what I love in that sentence, that verse right there. It says, get up, go downstairs, and go with him with no doubts at all. Peter went down there with total confidence. He wasn't doubting. God told me to get up and go downstairs and meet these three guys. I'm assuming there's going to be three guys when I get down there. And, okay, so hearing God's difficult. Obeying God is tough, but trusting God, that's a whole nother level. That's a, he went down there without any doubt. Trust in God is a whole nother level. Verse 21, it says, Then Peter went down to the men and said, Here I am, the one you're looking for. He says, What is the reason that you're here? Did Peter really not know what his role in this whole situation was? Was he just kind of waiting to hear what God was going to unpack through these men. Because, as you know, Peter is always prepared to share the good news, the gospel. They told us to turn the speakers down earlier because they're concentrating on bowling. But, man, if I have the opportunity to tell the good news in a bowling alley that they can hear it, I'm going to do it. And this is exactly what Peter's thinking. He's like, I know what my role is, but what are you here for? He's just trying to piece things together with what the Lord is doing and this vision that he had about animals being clean. What's going on here, Lord? Verse 22, it says, They said, Cornelius the centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who, was, who has a good reputation with the whole Jewish nation. <laughs> they knew who they were talking to. They knew they were talking to Peter, one of the apostles, one of the Jewish leaders of the church. Let's drop that name. He has a great reputation with the Jewish nation, even though he's a Roman 
soldier was divinely directed by a holy angel to call you to his house and to hear a message from you. Peter then invited them in and gave them lodging. Did you say good reputation among the Jewish nation? Come on in. We're friends. That's the key word right there. Drop the name and we will connect. You see, because the division, like I said earlier, between the Jews and the Gentiles, it just didn't happen. Now here's a Jewish leader inviting Gentile men into Simon the Tanner's house, who's also a Gentile. Peter's going in head first with this whole Gentile thing. He's literally processed what happened upstairs, that whole vision, that trance, that dream about God's made it all clean for both the Jews and the Gentiles. He's all in at this point. says, the next day, I'm assuming that the three men came in and said that, hey, Cornelius wants to come to him, but Peter probably got out of them. What's the deal? And they told the whole story to Peter. They just chilled for the night. It says, the next day he got up and set out with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa went with him. We know that he took six men with him because if you read on chapter 11, verse 12, it says, the Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all, trusting with faith. These six brothers also accompanied me. And he went into the man's house. Now, we know that he takes six men with him. It says the following day he entered Caesarea. It's literally saying they got up the next day and left, and then the following day they made it into Caesarea. How many days did it take from the travel? 25 to 30 miles north. Two days. It probably took the same amount of time for the men who were sent by Cornelius to get down to Joppa, making a total of four days. All right, you with me? Uh, It says, now Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Have you ever uh, prepared your house for somebody special to come stay there? (laughs) I'm looking at my wife. I think we've had about uh, 30 people in our house, living in our house this last four or five months. Just people coming in, people coming out. It's like the Kennedy bed and breakfast. And when they do, she's prepared. She's prepared. I mean, she makes the house look good. And I'm sure this is what Cornelius or his people were doing because now Peter, I mean, you realize from last week, Cornelius has been following God and following the whole Jewish traditions and everything else. He he would love to be a Jew, but one, he wasn't circumcised, and two, he wasn't following the restri- food restrictions that they were. But everything else, I'm all in. Cornelius is a very religious man. And to have Peter and some of the Jews at his house, at a Gentile's house, this place was looking spotless. And he got his whole family there. Hey, you guys, come look at this. Peter's coming to our house. Everybody's there. It says in verse 25, when Peter entered, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. That is awkward. If any everybody did that at my house, I would like, uh-uh. Well, that's exactly what Peter did. Peter 
I, I, I get it. This was out of respect. Cornelius respected him, had Peter up on a pedestal, but Peter in no way, in no way wants to be better than Cornelius. Verse 26, it says, But Peter lifted him up and said, Stand up. I myself am also a man. I, Cornelius, it's not about being a Jew or a Gentile. We're two men. And we're equal. Equal. They're, 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 you don't have to do this. Let's just hug, shake hands, and get on with it. <laughs> He's really humble as a servant of Christ. Verse 27, it says, While talking with him, he went in and found a large gathering of people. They're literally strolling through Cornelius' house, and they get into this living room or whatever, and Cornelius' whole family's sitting there. Peter's got to be like going, wow, this is crazy. And he still doesn't have a clue what's going on. What, why am I even here? Peter said to them, you know, it's forbidden for a Jewish man to associate with a visit with, with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for. He literally walks in a room and all the people are freaking out because a Jew is sitting there has walked in with a room full of Gentiles. And that's the first thing he says. He's like, hey, I just want to set the record straight. I know what tradition has said. I know what I've done in the past. But here, here's what God's told me recently. We're all on the same page. We're all equal here. This is new stuff like within the last 48 hours. This doesn't normally happen. The room is in chaos. He probably briefly explains this vision that he had. And then he gets to the last part. He says, so may I ask why you sent for me? Like, I know, and this is good. I know what God's doing in my life, what he's telling me right now. Jews and Gentiles, which is the whole mystery. There's a mystery to that whole thing, how they can be one. But I'm not sure why I'm here at your house. Why in the world did God send me to come up here? I, at this point, I'm not even sure if Cornelius had a clue. Because he's literally just being obedient to the angel that appeared to him and told him to go get Peter. And Cornelius replies, Four days ago, at this hour, which was 3 o'clock in the afternoon, I was praying in my house. Just then, a man in dazzling clothing, earlier he explained it was an angel, stood before me and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your acts of charity have been remembered in God's sight. That's, that's a big verse right there. Therefore, send someone to Joppa and invite Simon here, who is also named Peter. He is lodging in Simon the Tanner's house by the sea, the Mediterranean Sea. So I immediately sent for you, and it was good of you to come. So now we are all in the presence of God 
to hear everything that you have been commanded by the Lord. Peter's like, cha-ching! That's all I needed was a green light. You just said preach the good news. Peter was supposed to do exactly what God had called him to do. Tell my story. So here we go. Verse 34. It says, Peter began to speak. Now I truly understand that God doesn't show favoritism. The whole Jew-Gentile thing, I get it. He doesn't show favoritism. But, there's the but. But in every nation, the person who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. Hmm. That makes it sound like God doesn't have favorites because He's making the Jews and the Gentiles the same, but if you do good things, then God likes you. Right? That can beat a Christian down for sure. I mean, you think about what what is happening here. The last 48 hours, it's beginning to make sense to Peter what's going on. You can still be obedient to the Father without knowing the whole plan and Peter's processing this and he's figuring it out. Peter literally saw that God doesn't discriminate on the basis of races or ethnic background. And he doesn't look up or down on others. He literally says that God doesn't show favoritism. But God does discriminate those whose behavior is acceptable and those whose attitudes are not acceptable. It's not about what you're doing. It's about your heart. God is able to discern, based upon what you do, what your heart is. And He discriminates based upon that. We go out throughout Scripture and we can see Pharaoh's heart was hardened. We can see all the different people's hearts that are hardened, all the tragedies that came to them. And then... We can also look at all the great Bible characters like David and Noah and Abraham and know that they had great hearts. And even though they messed up, even though they still sinned, God showed favor to them because it was a heart issue. God judged them based upon their heart, not their production. Their production is typically an indicator of their heart, whether it's a good heart or a bad heart. Verse 36, it says, He sent the message to the Israelites proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. I Yesterday was a year ago that my mother died. And it was a point last year that the Lord made with me uh, through cards that were sent by you, through messages that were sent by you, by what I was reading in the scripture that God says, you have peace, Rusty, but I'm, uh, if you have my peace, you're better off. And this is literally what Peter's saying right here. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ. I think that we can manufacture peace 
But there's a greater peace if it comes from Jesus Christ. He says, let, let your peace be my peace. Jesus says that. Whatever your peace is, let it be my peace because my peace is greater. And this is what Peter is preaching. In verse 37, he starts with, you know. Like he's a, he, he knows Cornelius is a, a studier of the word, a studier of the Jews, and he's hearing stories. He says, you know the events that took place throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, talking about John the Baptist, John 1, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the tyranny of the devil. Jesus cast out demons because God was with him. Jesus said, hey, these things that you see me doing, I didn't do these. God did these through me. God was with him. He says, we ourselves are witnesses of everything he did in both the Judean country and in Jerusalem. And yet they killed him by hanging him on a tree. Why is that there? Because He's quoting from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 22 and 23. Watch what it says. It says, if anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you're not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight, but are to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under God's curse. Jesus took on the sin of the world took on all your sins, just as Danny said, past, present, future. And he had to hang on a tree. It says, you must not defile the land the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance. That's all Deuteronomy chapter 21. So now, Peter's sitting there saying to Cornelius, you know the truth, you know what's going on. Verse 40, it says, God raised up this man on the third day and caused him to be seen. Not by all the people, but by us whom God appointed as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He's sitting in a room of Gentiles and he's saying, Jesus was hung on a tree, he was buried, he rose again, and he came and hung out with us, he ate and drank, and now you're talking about a bodily resurrection which these Gentiles had no thought of. They never ever considered a bodily resurrection wasn't in their game plan. And so now he's bringing them new news and good news. Verse 42, it says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about Him that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. I said, Brent, to Sophie this week, there's power in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus Christ, there's power to overcome anything. And I believe that with all my heart. Peter is in this room and he's testifying through His name, everyone believes in Him and receives forgiveness of sins. I'll say this right here, right now. Jesus got up on the cross and He forgave 
all sin, all time, on the cross, except for that of unbelief. Like, every sin is covered, and all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. I had a conversation with somebody this week, and they're asking me if infants sin. And I'm like, I don't think that's really your question. I don't think that's your question, uh, because I know what you're getting at. And I, I hate to say this to, with moms, because they always freak out, but uh, when a baby is born, all of our kids that are out there are born, they're born with a sinful nature, because it comes from the seed of Adam. We all came from the seed of Adam. Everybody in this room came from the seed of Adam, and because Adam sinned, he had a sinful nature, and we all received a sinful nature. We're all born with sinful natures. We're all separated. It, it, it isn't the act of sin that separates us from God. Even though Jesus died for all the sins, that's not what separated us from God. It's not my sins that separated me from God. It's my sinful nature. I was born that way. And the only way that I have reconciliation with God is I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for my sins. And when that happens, guess what happens? He makes me a new creation. He takes my old heart out, my old sinful nature out, and He gives me a new nature and He makes me a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 You're looking at a new creation up here. I don't have a sinful nature. I still sin. Trust me, I still sin. But I'm a new creation who sometimes sins. If you're going to identify me, identify me as a new creation. I still blow it. I still have bad thoughts. And sometimes I act upon those bad thoughts. I still blow it. I live in a state of forgiveness. And this is the good news that Peter is telling Cornelius and his family. Our sinful nature produced sin naturally. Our new nature, which replaced the old, produces works from a new heart. And now today, in this as I walk as a believer in Jesus Christ, I am constantly learning how to live out of my new heart. I'm, I, it's a process. It's a journey. I have to trust the Spirit to teach me how to do that. How do I live out of this new heart, this new creation that I am? And Peter has sit here and said all this to Cornelius and his family. Verse 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, this is a sad verse for pastors, kind of. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. He didn't even get to finish his sermon. <laughs> he, didn't get to, he didn't get to have an invitation. He didn't get to say, bow your head, say a prayer, raise your hand so I can see everybody and count you. Just boom, the Holy Spirit came and said, you're done, Peter. And the Holy Spirit moved on the room. And it was, it was so clear to everybody in the room. It was audible. It was visible. It was just like Pentecost with the Jews back in Acts chapter 2. Except now it's happened with the Gentiles in this very room. And Peter's just in the middle of his sentence just stops and goes, okay, do your thing. Do your thing. 
verse 45, it says the circumcised believers, those would be the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. Even on the Gentiles. That's the mystery. How can the Jews and the Gentiles who two opposing groups of people all of a sudden be the same? For they heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. That the speaking in tongues, that expression right here seems more likely related to worship. Since there's there's really no need for Cornelius and those with him to speak a, a human language that would have been otherwise unknown to them. Like, they're all in the same room speaking the same language, and now all of a sudden, they're speaking an unknown language. It had to be some form of worship. It says, then Peter responded, Can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? Again, he's saying, hey, you guys are the same just as we did. We went and got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and you have that same opportunity. Jesus says, go and be baptized. In other words, identify with me, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as your Savior. Verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay for a few days. These Gentiles, remember, they're not being saved by being baptized because they were baptized because they gave evidence of being saved. That's the whole reason Peter did that. Now let me quickly just jump to Acts 11 and we'll fly through this real quick. Verse 1, it says, The apostles and the brothers and sisters who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God, had also received the word of God. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, <laughs> that's, that's such a great description. The circumcision party, that would be the Jews. They were proud of their circumcision. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Peter, what in the world? You ate with heathens. You ate with the Gentiles. We're not supposed to do that. It was, it was easy, and get this, it was easy for Peter to accept the Gentiles as being the same as the Jews because why? Because God told him directly, this is what's supposed to be. Now it's Peter's job to go to his ritual, legalistic brothers and try to convince them of the same message, and he's not God. Sorry, Peter, that's your job. You get to go tell your buddies and try to convince them of this same message. Verse 4, it says, Peter began to explain to them step by step. Let me explain this to you clearly, guys. I was in the town of Joppa praying, and I saw in a trance an object that resembled a large sheet coming down. This is the same story that we read just last week. It says, being lowered by its four corners from heaven, and it came to me. When I looked closely and considered it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth, the wild beasts, the reptiles, and the birds of the sky. I also heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He's literally explaining everything that's just happened in the last few days. No, Lord, I said. And the Jews were like, oh yeah, there you go, Peter. You said no to the Lord. 
No, Lord, I said, for nothing impure or richly unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice answered from heaven a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call impure. Now this happened three times. And everything was drawn up again into heaven. At that very moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to accompany them with no doubts at all. In faith, go do this, Peter. These six brothers also accompanied me. He's pointing to his brothers that are with him. And went to the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and call for Simon, and he is also named Peter. He will speak a message to you by which you and all your household will be saved. He's just telling the whole story again that we already know. As I begin to speak, the Holy Spirit came down on them. Like, he's telling the good news, and he's saying, just as I was getting started. Like, he was just getting cranked up, and the Holy Spirit says, I got this, Peter. Boom. He says, the Holy Spirit came down on them just as on us at the beginning. I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with the water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift, if then God gave them the same gift that he also gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. God gave them the same gift that he gave us. And then he closes with this. He says, How could I possibly hinder God? He's looking at him. How do I go against God? Peter just dropped the but God phrase on him. You ever had that dropped on you? But God said. In verse 18, when they heard this, they became silent. Get it. They got a room full of Jews. Peter's in there saying, hey, God's telling us the Gentiles are the same. How are we going to go against God? And they're all sitting there, and it says they're silent. In other words, they're checking the room out to see if everybody's on board. You know what I'm talking about? There's this awkward silence of like, are we buying into this? Are we going to do this as a whole? Or are we going to tell Peter he's, he's a buffoon? It says, when they heard this, they became silent. And they glorified God saying, so then, God has given repentance resulting in life to the Gentiles. <laughs> they believe Peter. They believe Peter and they go, okay, hmm, that's cool, sure. They still going to be circumcised? They don't say that right there because Peter's all excited, right? But you got a room full of guys that are like, hey, we've had these traditions forever. Don't they need to be cut like us? What about... What about the food restrictions? Are they going to adhere to the food restrictions? Because God gave us food restrictions, laws. We, we can't eat all this. Uh, that all comes to head in about four more chapters. Yeah, 
we're all excited that the Gentiles and the Jews are the same, but I, I think they need to do what we're doing. But at the same time, God's saying, this is the mystery. This is the mystery that you're not going to understand. How a Jew and a Gentile can have the same God, the same Savior, the same Messiah, the same forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. Thank God He opened it up to the Gentiles. And you're sitting here today as a blessing of that gift from God. It's a mystery, yet we've been given this Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that lets us look at the Word and go, hmm, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, the whole mystery thing, I can see God at work. You have the mind of Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. Father, I thank you for, uh, gosh, this story of, this is it. How your word, the good news, not only made it to the Jews, but it made it to the Gentiles. And now all of a sudden, we're about to see the church explode through the scripture. The church just take off. Because you came as the redeemer of the world to redeem us who were once sinners and now we're saints. And for that, we have much to give thanks for today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.